Carter Conlon from the historic Times Square Church in New York City. Call out to the Spirit of God and let God begin to do in your life what only God can do. This is a great hour to be alive. It's a great hour to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. God is going to do something supernatural in this generation. Thanks for joining us this week for A Call to the Nation with Carter Conlon in a message taken from Ezekiel chapter 37 titled, Your Sons and Daughters. Ezekiel writes of a valley full of bones. He then describes how those bones came together again and came to life and stood on their feet. Let's join Carter now as he helps explain the purpose of this miraculous event. I want to speak from Ezekiel chapter 37 today. If you have a Bible or any kind of a device where you can get the Word of God, I'd like to speak from this particular chapter, a message called, Your Sons and Your Daughters Shall Prophesy. So, Father, I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your Word, your Word, God, that has the power to create and recreate life, your Word that shows a pathway through darkness, your Word that quickens us if we will allow your spirit to make it real inside of us and makes us into a new creation. Your word, Lord, that brings glory to who you are through these earthen vessels as you choose to indwell us by your Holy Spirit and change us as we behold the victory of Christ from image to image and glory to glory, even as by the spirit of our God. So Lord, thank you for the ability to unlock your word today. Help me to make it simple so that people listening can understand it. And God Almighty, we can grow in grace together, especially now at this time when so many are so desperate for truth and when darkness is coming in like a flood, you promised you would raise a standard against it. So God, we take you at your word and we yield our bodies to be part of the standard that you want to raise in this generation. We recognize that you don't need our might, you don't need our intellect, you don't need anything we have. You simply require a heart that believes you. And God, you're willing to raise up your church, your people, as a testimony of who you are. Let it be today. Grant to me, my God, that I may speak this word in a way that honors you. Help me, Lord, in my frailty. Override the frailty of my natural mind and give me your heart and give me your thought. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We got a, an answered prayer come in this week from Gatenberg, Sweden, and it just says, thank you so much, Pastor Conlon, for your prophetic words to me. I drank coffee while reading my Bible and praying this morning at my kitchen table. Now, I remember that call. Just where do you start? Just get up. Just get up. Go to your kitchen table and start reading your Bible. And so the, the inference is, I've done that. I'm starting to do that. So I want to answer you in Sweden tonight and everyone else who has the same question in their heart. And the question is, where will this lead me? If I make the choice to get up, if I make the choice to make time throughout my day to read the Word of God and to trust God for a new life and a new future, what will that look like? Now, we're going to be looking at uh, Ezekiel chapter 37, but before we go there, I want to just read to you from the prophet Joel in chapter 2. And Joel is speaking about a day, a day in the nation of Israel, and a day, of course, that will affect the whole world a day where God promises to restore 
things that have been taken away by darkness. He said, I will restore to you the years the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. In other words, everything that really God says, I removed my restraining hand because of the casualness, in a sense, of his own people at a certain point in history towards him. And all of these things that are kept back by the presence of God are now allowed to come in and wreak havoc and destruction in their society. And he said, but I'm going to restore to you these years. You're going to eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. You will know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. And he says it again, and my people shall never be put to shame. In other words, I will not make promises to you that I don't fulfill. If you will go to your kitchen table, as this person in Sweden is doing, you begin to read the Word of God and let me speak to you, and you start to move towards what I begin to speak to your heart, you will not be triumphed over. You will not be put to shame. Your confidence in me, God is saying, will not be in vain. I'll be God to you. I will restore to you years that have been taken away from you. And where it seems like the enemy has come in like a devouring lion and he's been, he's been chewing up your heritage and, and your, your mind and your hope and your future, God says, you turn to me, I turn to you, and I promise you, you'll not be put to shame. Your enemies will never be able to say that he trusted in God or she trusted in God, and yet I was still able to triumph over him or her. And it will come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days. Now, those days began on the day of Pentecost. That that was the beginning, in a sense, of the end times. 2,000 years ago, Peter, the apostle, stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, this is that which God promised through the prophet Joel he was going to do. 120 formerly weakened people came out of an upper room, empowered through prayer and through listening to the instruction that God's Son had given them, and they were now empowered by the Spirit of God, and the the sons and daughters, as it was, stepped out of that upper room, and they began to prophesy. Now, a lot of people have taken that concept of prophesying, and they've turned it into something it was never really meant to be. They start predicting weather patterns and such like things. And this is not the context of it. In Joel 2.28, when he speaks about prophesying, it means literally to come into agreement with what God is speaking. You remember Jesus Christ said, when the, when the spirit of truth comes, he will take what is mine and show it to you and show you things to come. I'm going to the cross. He was telling his disciples, I'm going to win a victory for you. I'm going to take your captivity captive. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to bring you back into right relationship with God the Father, and I'm going to shower you with giftings, which really means supernatural things, things that you can't produce in any amount of your own strength. I'm going to give these things to you, and you're going to become my people. And and what I require of you is to turn to me with all your heart and begin to agree with what I speak to you. You see, this is what Joel says, your sons and daughters that were maybe under the threat of being devoured, or your your families that ran into difficulty, they're going to step out and into agreement with what God is speaking. That's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. These people stepped out, 
and they were speaking in the Greek. It says the megalias of God, which by definition means the anticipated outworking of the new inward presence of Christ in their lives. They were speaking in the Spirit. So they were speaking in agreement with what God was speaking. When they stepped out of that upper room, he was showing them things to come, and they were speaking supernaturally about things that were to come into the future. Thank God for that. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. You know, I'm speaking to young people here in the sanctuary today, and, and that is your hope for the future, that God is going to speak to you about something he wants to do through your life. It's not something that you're necessarily capable of doing. Most times, you're not capable of doing it in your own strength. But he begins to speak to you about what he's going to do, and then you walk into agreement with him, and you start speaking in agreement with the word of God about what he says your future is going to be. That's what happens to you who are reading your Bible in Sweden right now. The Lord will start speaking to you, and now on your part, you are required to start agreeing with him as he starts speaking to you. And you start saying things like, well, this is what I am, but this is what God says I'm going to be. Remember the apostle Peter says, this is what you are, but this is what you will be. And every time Christ met somebody, quite often that, that context was in the conversation. You are this, recognize that you're this, but this is what I'm telling you you're going to be. On our part, it's to come into agreement with God. Yes, this is what I am, but this is what you're going to turn me into. This is the kind of a person I'm going to be. This is where you're going to take me. This is what you're going to do through my life. This is where my life is going to go in you and through you into the future. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. So here's Ezekiel, and the Lord brings him out, and he's actually looking at a nation, the nation of Israel. The people of that time had literally died around their religion. They had formed a religion. The religion had left them distant from God, and they literally died around their altars. And so suddenly God brings a, a man of God that he's speaking to, and he's about to speak through, and he's looking at his own nation. He's looking at his own people. They've died. It, the decay is, is so deep that now all that is left around their altars are their bones, and there's very, very many of them. And it's the type of a person that maybe you could say, my, my family history, my family died years ago. My great-grandfather died. He became an alcoholic and died, in a sense, in, in, a, in the hope of becoming anything in the future. And he passed it on to my father. And my, my father has said, that's what I'm going to be. And other people have said that about me. And, and we're, we're just all bones around whatever kind of religion we had. And we're very, very dry. Then the Lord says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answers and says, well, God, you know. You know what you can do, and you know what you desire to do, and I don't know if they can live or not, but you know, and if you, you'll reveal it. Here's the, the, the context is, if you'll speak it to me, I'll, I'll agree with you. you. You know what you're going to do, and I, I don't pre, uh, presume upon you. And the Lord then said to him, prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So God says, here's what I want you to do. I'm giving you my word, and I'm asking you now to prophesy. I'm asking you to speak what I'm speaking to you. 
I'm asking you to make a public declaration. You make the declaration. I will speak to your heart, but I'm asking you to cooperate with me. See, this is, this is what God looks for in us as his people. He speaks to us in our time when we're in his word. He speaks about things he wants to do. Now we have a choice when he begins to speak. We, we either draw back into unbelief or we stay at the point of just where Ezekiel says, well, God, you know, and we kind of just, we just draw back into a religiousness, but it's at the, the root of it is unbelief. Or we begin to speak what God is speaking. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I know that God has spoken to me about something he's going to do. I know. See, this is what happened when the 120 came out of the upper room. They were speaking things that God had spoken to their hearts by the Holy Spirit that were going to happen into the future. And they were doing it with a power that could only come from God. They were doing it with an assurance that only God could put in the heart. So Ezekiel simply came into agreement with God. And he said in verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. I began to speak the things that God was speaking to me. You could say, I'm a man, I'm, a, a, I'm an unfaithful person, or I'm undisciplined, but God said he's going to make me faithful. And, and you begin to confess that with your mouth. This is what God has promised me. God has told me he's going to change that area of my life. God has told me he's going to bring me out of the imprisonment of the torment in my mind or the, the thought patterns or whatever was handed down to me around these decaying altars that my family used to worship at. And I'm now a new creation in Christ Jesus. And no matter what was handed down to me, I'm, I'm not living there anymore. That's not governing my future. And God promises me through the prophet Joel, I will not be ashamed. And so now I'm in agreement with God. This is what God says my life is going to be. So this is what it's going to be. And I'm going to stand in agreement with God. He speaks about my home. He speaks about my family. He speaks about my future. He speaks about my influence. And I'm not going to draw back into unbelief because God promises me that I will not be triumphed over. I'll not be triumphed over by any of these things that have been allowed to come in and try to devour my future, try to devour the future of others that, that could be had if I find him in the fullness of what he has for my life. So Ezekiel says, so I prophesied. Now, you have to understand he's standing before a valley of bones. And in the natural, it's insanity. These are just bones. They're, they're not just dead. They're dead, 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 dead. They're not even together. They're just scattered, these bones. You don't even know who belong, what bone belongs to who. You can't possibly humanly put this thing back together. But God says, it's not about you. It's not by your power. It's not by your might. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. All I'm looking for is for you to agree with me. You start speaking what I speak. That's where the authority comes from, to, to stand someday. Many of you are going to be standing before crowds of people saying, this is what you are, but I'm telling you, by the word of God, this is what you will be. I'm telling you, your prison doors can't hold you any longer. Your past experience cannot dictate your future. You will not be triumphed over as you choose to trust in the living God. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And it's the type of a person like you in Sweden, you, you start to read and hope starts coming back into your heart. And, and as I once did in, in the early years of my walk with God, when I began to read the promises of God and hear the preaching of the promises of God, I remember sitting on the edge of my chair thinking, could this be true? Is this possible? And I began to 
speak the way God was speaking about me, not the way I felt about myself, not the way others had said I was. I began to speak about what I felt in my heart. God was speaking about me. And as I began to prophesy, that's prophesying. It's talking about something that God's going to do. There's this, this sudden infusion of hope that wasn't there before. And that's where it always begins. We don't start at the end. We start at the beginning. And, and hope comes into the heart. A hope that the scripture says that doesn't make us ashamed. And then he said to me again, verse 9, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, which is the, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit as we know him today. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. I remember standing on a killing field years ago in Jamaica that we were sent into by the Spirit of God to break that spirit of poverty and violence over this community of 100,000, 100% unemployed people who lived off of drugs, drug trade, drug deals, and everything else, an area of, of total, complete violence. And I remember the first or second night just stepping back from the pulpit and beginning to cry out to God, realizing the hopelessness of the situation, that this will never change by my preaching. There's no chance. But beginning to speak to them about what God wanted to do in each of their lives to break this spirit of poverty and violence in this community and then stepping back and starting to call out to God. And I actually prayed the way Ezekiel did because I had this in my mind as I prayed. And I said, oh, Spirit of God, come. And have mercy on these people. Breathe on these slain. Rows and rows and rows of people lining this 30-acre rectangular field that were too afraid to even come on the field because it was a place of violence. There had been 800 murders in 30 years on that field. Probably very few charges, if any, convictions for the murders as well. And I remember calling out to God, and this sudden presence of God came. There's no other way to describe it. This, this sudden, I started weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping for the people. Then the weeping began with the few that were gathered in the front of me. Then the weeping started spreading through the field, and it started going through the ranks, and it went back to the back of the 30 acres. And, and even this guy that had a gun in his belt at the back, a, a violent person began weeping at the back. One of the ladies that was there told me, said he started crying and wiping his face. So he was suddenly touched by the Spirit of God, and we saw the Holy Spirit come and touch an entire community. On that killing field today, there's a church and a playground on what was a killing field, a place that was plowed down, and you couldn't cross that field unless you were prepared to die or wanted to kill somebody else on that place. I've seen what God can do, and he said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. In other words, call upon the Spirit of God. So as you, as you begin to agree with the word of God tonight, then call out to the Holy Spirit of God. Spirit of the living God, make this hope in my heart a reality. Make this word that you're speaking to me my hope and my future. Govern my hope and govern my future by, by your presence, by your life. Give me divine life. And so I prophesied as he commanded me. So this is the second time he prophesies. This time he's speaking to the Spirit of God. Oh, Holy Spirit, I see a future. I see something that you're revealing to me about my life. I see something that you want to do that's going to bring glory to your name. So I'm just saying, come, Holy Spirit. Come and do this work. I can't do it, but you can, and I believe you want to, and I see it for my future. I see what you want to do for my family. 
I see God, people coming out of captivity and darkness and bondage. I, I see a spiritual awakening. The, Ezekiel saw a spiritual awakening in a nation. It's what he saw. I see it, my God, but I recognize that there's no amount of strategies that are ever going to produce this. It's got to be produced by you. And, and so he prophesies again, and he calls out to the breath of God. And he's like, as he commanded me, I prophesied. And he said in verse 10, and the breath came into them and they lived and they stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. I love the fact that God just simply found a man who walked in agreement with him. And, and working together and, and, and speaking together. And as Ezekiel chose to believe God, the impossibility around him became possible. And he suddenly saw a nation arising before his eyes. It was a vision, of course, of the future. In his case, he saw something that God was about to do in the future and that we will most likely live to see even more in our day. And then he said, one more time, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you will know that I'm the Lord when I've opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. So Ezekiel has to believe in this sense, it's a type of you and I, we first have to believe for ourselves. We have to believe for our, our own resurrection life. We have to believe that God's going to raise us up. We have to believe and experience the presence of God making his promises to us, each of us, a living reality in our lives, first in our hearts and then in our lives. And then by God's grace, every one of us have the opportunity to stand and declare unto others, as Ezekiel once did, God will open your grave too. God will do for you what he's done for me. God will bring, you will know he's God because he will open up your grave and he will bring you out and he will plant you in a place that is your own, a land that he has promised you through his son, Jesus Christ. And you will know that I have done this for you and you will know that I am God, says the Lord, when I've turned back your captivity right before your eyes. And so this is our promise in this generation. God's about to do something that only he can do. You can't do it, I can't do it, but God promises he's going to do it. And the promise for our time is that your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And so here in this sanctuary at Summit International School of Ministry, we have young people from all over the country and certain parts of the world who were able to get visas during this COVID time. And so this is for you in our time. We're living in a moment in America, for example, where America is dying around its religion and our hope is being lost. And bones are being scattered everywhere. Families are being destroyed. People don't see a way forward. Minds are being devoured by the locust and the cankerworm and such things like this. But you are going to be this generation that will prophesy one more time. You will simply start walking in agreement with God. It will start with you. It will start with what God's going to do through your life. And he simply says, I want you to agree with what I, I speak to you and then call out for the Holy Spirit. And when you have fully experienced my delivering power and my keeping power, then tell others that what I've done for you, I will do for them too as well. This is your promise. And for you who are in Sweden, this is what God's going to do. You keep getting up. You keep going to your table. You keep drinking your coffee and you keep reading your Bible. And as you do, God will start speaking to you. 
And then he will ask you to start agreeing with him. Say, you talk about yourself the way I'm talking about you, not the way you have spoken about yourself in the past or the way others speak about you, but you start calling yourself the things that I call you. If I have called you clean, you don't have the right to call yourself common or unclean anymore. You start speaking the things that I speak. If I've said you're free, don't call yourself bound any longer. I've, I've broken the bonds of everything that can hold you back, and you have the right to walk out of your captivity into total freedom. Call out to the Holy Spirit. Call out to the Holy Spirit. Do it now. People that are listening online, start calling out to the Holy Spirit. Call out to the Spirit of God, and let God begin to do in your life what only God can do. This is a great hour to be alive. It's a great hour to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. God is going to do something supernatural in this generation. It should not be marvelous in our eyes. We have the history. We have the word. We have the promise. And by God's grace, we'll now have the agreement to walk with him. Hallelujah. And you watch what God's going to do. Remember the promise. My people will never be ashamed. Thank you for joining us this week for A Call to the Nation with Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. For more information, log on to tsc.nyc. That's tsc.nyc. You can count on a powerful message each week on A Call to the Nation with Carter Conlon.